Baptist Church, please take a hymnal and turn to page 200, 206. Sorry, page 206, he leads me, we sing verses 1 through 4. This afternoon, out soul winning, and any other praises or prayer requests? Yes. None. Anyone else? 
All right, well, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Dear Lord, we're thankful for blessings. We're thankful for the good service we had this morning. We're thankful for uh, the souls that were saved this afternoon out soul winning, for everyone that went out. And I just pray, Lord, that You'll continue to bless as we try to reach people. I pray, Lord, You'll especially bless the soul winning uh, marathon coming up in Rockford this Saturday. We pray everything will go well there. pray we'll see a lot of people saved. Uh, pray we'll have good weather that day and people will be receptive. Lord, we just pray you continue to bless the music program and uh, thank you for all the people that are involved there. I pray you just give them a special blessing. I pray you uh, continue just blessing everyone with their um, expanding their talents and abilities. And pray we can glorify you with them. I pray you'll bless the service tonight. We pray you'll uh, speak the hearts of the message. In your name we pray. Amen. So, a couple announcements. Don't forget this Saturday will be uh, Volcano Falls. The plan will be uh, we're probably going to leave from here at 10 is the plan and then we'll soul in for a couple hours and then we will um, eat lunch a little late I don't like doing lunch when we go somewhere right at noon because that's one of the rushes so we're going to uh, we like plan it so we can get there afterwards and then uh, we're going to go mini golfing afterwards so the uh, the lunch and the mini golfs included if you want to do any of the extra stuff there the go-karts and all that you're on your own but uh, that will be coming up this Saturday so we will leave from here at 10 uh, if you want to meet us out there um, I'll put the um, meetup location in the telegram group I, I think I know where we're going to go but I'm going to check a couple other places uh, we might uh, go to instead uh, we will be in kind of the ghetto okay, keep that in mind which is a lot of Rockford but um, the place I'm planning on going to we've been to before but we might go to another part in that area where um, I was driving through the other day and there was, it looked like good soul winning territory. So, um, anyway, but there will, I'll put it in the telegram group, whatever we're going to do there. If you have any questions, make sure you let me know. And, but then, uh, I think that, of uh, course, again, the church planners conference coming up in August, if you're able to uh, participate and help with that, let me know. I know it'll be a big blessing uh, to the church uh, if you can, and I uh, would really like to just help Give me, you know, exciting service. Get a lot of visitors. It's a small church, and just you being there. Even if you just go and don't play an instrument, just you know, having extra people at conferences and things is encouraging. Every pastor likes a full house, so um, that would be a blessing. And then too, um, when we, whenever we do the souling, I don't know for sure when that's going to be yet, but uh, it's a good chance for us to, of course. Get some people saved too, but then also uh, just be a blessing to this church to help knock a lot of doors in that area, let people know that they're there. And um, so we just we want to go to be a blessing. It's not our conference. I am not the featured uh, keynote speaker or anything like that in the conference. We're just going to be a blessing. Uh, the pastor that's putting this on, he used, um, he's done some conferences before when he was in his old church on church planning, and I always enjoyed them. Those were a blessing to me. So he uh, started pastoring a church, and um, you know, so, you know, it's um, he's doing it there now instead of the old church. But we want to be a help and a support on that. And I'm just for church planning too. And there's not enough church planning going on in our country, and especially in Illinois too. In Illinois, for a while, there was some church planning happening pretty regular, and then they just kind of stopped about five or six years ago, and. I haven't even heard of another IFB church starting in Illinois in quite a while, and um, and you know part of that is there's just not people to send out. But then 
Uh, part of it, too, is just a lot of the guys that do it, it's really hard. <laughs> and so uh, that makes a lot of people not as anxious to do that. And so anyway, uh, that will be coming up August 4th through 6th. So see if you have any questions about that. But that's all I have for announcements. So let's have another song. Stay seated and turn to page 43. Crown him with many crowns. Using verses 1 through 4.
Bible reading is Third John. Third John. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, and he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, that ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall, shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. All right. We are in Third John, and just a little trivia thing for you, but Third John is actually the shortest book in the Bible. Now, if you look at Second John, you'll notice it has 13 verses, where Third John has 14 verses. However, uh, if I remember correctly, I used to have a Bible that in there it would say, each book of the Bible, how many chapters, verses, and words that it had. And it said, if I remember correctly, uh, 2 John had 301 words and second, or 3 John had 299. So actually, this is the shorter book. I have not gone through and counted them myself. So uh, if you want to fact check me on that, do it after church. I don't want to see you staring at your Bible too close during the preaching. Uh, just to, just to see, but, uh, I do believe this is the shortest book of the Bible. And in second John, we saw a very heavy emphasis on truth, the importance of maintaining truth. He ended the previous letter too, um, saying that there was much to say, but he was going to say it face to face instead of with paper and ink. That's how he ended second John. And so it would appear that from that letter, that he was planning on coming to this church. He's acknowledging the fact that they're doing good when it comes to the truth. But at the same time, there was stuff that they were gonna, he was going to need to deal with. Now, uh, I think too, I've mentioned this last week in Sunday school, how it appears that he was just kind of giving them a chance to prepare for his coming. Just like you do with your kids. I'm coming home. You don't want to find a mess. So you're kind of warning them, give them a chance to kind of get their act cleaned up. Because I think there probably was some stuff going on. I think it makes it more apparent here in Third John that something was about to happen. Because, but in this particular letter, 
It's a little different than the other one because the first, the second John's written to the elect lady, which I believe was to the whole church. But here he's writing to an individual, someone named Gaius. And chances are this letter was probably, and I'm, I'm basing this off of things that we're going to see in this letter, um, but it would appear to me that he probably sent Second John, probably at the hand of his companions, whoever they were, he does not name them. And then they ended up having some trouble with diatrophies in the church. And uh, they saw some things that were good. They saw some things that were bad. And they came back and they told John what was going on. John hasn't been able to make to this church yet. So now he sends a letter specifically to Gaius, just kind of addressing some things because he's still planning on coming. And he kind of ends, he's going to end this book the same way where he said, I had many things to write, verse 13, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee, but I trust I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. So uh, again, this is a church he's planning on coming to. And I do, I believe he sent this first letter. The companions were not well received. And so he's writing another letter, kind of addressing an individual. So uh, keep all that in mind. As we begin to go through here. So verse 1, we will see, it says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And this lines up with what he had said in the previous letter. Truth was emphasized. This church had the truth. They had the right doctrine. So this is good. And, when, and so notice how it mentions, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee that thou walkest in the truth. And I believe this is John's companions. I don't know who these guys are. But whenever they came and they saw what was going on there, they came back and they told John. And they're like, yep, look, Gaius, he's over there. And he is preaching the truth. He is, their doctrine is right. They've got these things correct. You know, this, this guy's doing good. And overall, this church is doing pretty good. And so he had, this gave him great joy to hear this. And truth is the most important thing. But understand that just like truth is important, it is so important as a church that we have the right doctrine. We talked about a lot this last week in Sunday school. But you know what else is also important? Grace is also important. Being kind and compassionate towards people, uh, being accepting of people is always very important. And you know, we need to understand that we never have to sacrifice one to get to the other. Did you know we can have both grace and truth? We're actually very capable of doing that. We got a lot of churches today. They're all grace, no truth. You know, they never throw anybody out for any doctrine in their church. It's all good. Everything's acceptable. You know, they've got so much grace that they put up with heresy. That's not right. You know, but there's some places they have so much truth, they're ready to throw out anybody that, like, disagrees with them on anything. I mean, you know, they like chocolate better than vanilla. They're out of the church, you know, if the pastor disagrees. That's just kind of how crazy some people are with stuff. And that's not right either. We can have both. And I believe as a church, if we're going to be right with God, we need to have both grace and truth. And Jesus was somebody who had both. We see in John 1.14, it says, 
And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of both those. Jesus never at one time compromised on the truth. Yet Jesus got nailed a lot for being a little too gracious. Jesus got hammered a lot for people that He would eat with, for people that He would hang around. But he, did, he hung around those people because he had grace, but he never had to compromise truth. A lot of people today, they want to sit with the sinners, and then they act like they're like Jesus, but the thing is, they also participate in the sin, too. Jesus never participated in the sin, so we can have both. In, John, in verse 15, he goes on, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace." For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so notice what John, this is John the Baptist speaking, but he, or, um, who bear witness of him that he's talking about. But he, he spoke, he said, this one who's coming after me, he is preferred before me. And it mentions how the law was given by Moses. And folks, the law was 100% truth, wasn't it? There was nothing wrong with the law. It was all truth. But notice how it says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, we have to have both. If we have all law, guess what? We're all condemned, aren't we? We're all, we're all condemned. And you know what? There's some people, they know enough Bible, they can nail and criticize and just cream anyone they want. And you know what? We shouldn't be impressed by people that are good at doing that. Because again, the law nails all of us. But at the same time too, you know, it takes the Holy Spirit to know when to have grace too. And that's very important. We've got to have grace because we're not supposed to just be about nailing everybody. We're supposed to be about, uh, you know, being accepting, loving, putting up with people, all these things. And Jesus Christ showed how that was done. And so in the previous letter too, in 2 John in verse 3, Notice what John said. He said, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. And so a, true, a church with all truth and no grace is not a church of Christ and a church with all grace and no truth is also not a church of Christ. And in, the, in 2 John, he is, he's talking about grace and mercy. But then he also refers to the truth and love. All of these things are so important. So verse 5, he, and, he's, and so the commandment that he gave him in 2 John was to love. That was the command. And so in verse 5, in 3 John, he said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity, before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now, unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot about what was going on in John's ministry and during this time with these people. But notice how one of the things that people had noticed about this church was their charity, specifically how they took care of people's needs. And it would appear from this letter that Gaius specifically had definitely showed special care for John's companions while they were there. And so when, when they saw this, this was a good thing. This was a good testimony. The fact that they took care of them. 
that way. And, you know, charity, it is, it's something that we see emphasized a lot in the Bible. When it comes to just taking care of people's needs, being hospitable, all those things, that was very heavily emphasized. They were supposed to be looking out for each other, doing all, doing all that stuff. Now, I will say, charity in America is kind of difficult today just because our country is so prosperous. You know, we don't have, and again, you say, oh man, you don't realize all the suffering and hunger that's in this country. Listen, I get it that it's there, but most of it is in places where people are abusing the system, where they're doing drugs. I mean, folks, in America, if you want to eat, you know, you can find some food. There's food pantries everywhere. We've got food banks all over the place. We have so much welfare in this country. We have so much welfare in this country, we're actually destroying people. We have so much welfare in this country, we're actually enabling people to be pathetic. And so, you know, and especially right now, if pe- people that can't get a job right now, it's just because they don't want to work. Or because they're just really spoiled and they're all wanting to make, you know, $50 an hour doing hardly anything. And, but the truth is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get our needs taken care of today. But there's been times when it was difficult. And you know what? We might find ourselves in times like this where it gets hard to find food. Okay? When you hear about all these food factories and things burning down, you know, pretty soon this is going to catch up with us. So, you know, we don't want to throw this stuff out because oh, we're in America. We don't really need it. No, we need to make sure we at least have in our heart we're ready to do it. But um, understand, you know, we don't have as many people like just traveling through this area on foot and on horseback that need lodging. You know, we have cars, we have planes, we have, it's, it's a different world that we're living in today. But this charitable attitude is one that we should always have. We should always be looking out for people and trying to help uh, when there's needs. And so, um, verse 7, he goes on though, so this was, but this was something notable about Gaius and this church. They were very accepting. He was very accepting of these people. And then in verse 7, he says, because that for his name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. This is a reference to John's companions. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. So helping people, especially that are doing the work of the Lord, that is you helping with the truth. So if we have missionaries that are coming through here who are devoting their lives to spreading the gospel and getting in different parts of the world, when we help them, we're helping advance truth. Anybody that's doing something for the Lord, you know, even if it's just, and again, we're in America, things are pretty good uh, financially and all that, but even if we're just being encouragement, even if we're just motivating people, we're fellow helpers of the truth. We have a chance to go and help another church and to help, you know, just, you know, uh, do something exciting, do something to help them physically, spiritually, whatever it is. That is, we are fellow helpers of the truth. Any church that they're proclaiming, we're helpers of that. Why wouldn't we want to help something like that? Why wouldn't we want, why wouldn't we want to be an encouragement to people like that? And so I don't know exactly, again, who these people are John's referring to, but whoever they were, they were people who were currently with him and the people who had reported, and they were the people that had reported to John that this church was walking in truth or specific, and specifically Gaius. And so while these companions of John were strangers to Gaius, he was still good to them, just like he was to the other brethren. Because you'll notice, too, how he mentioned, what uh, Beloved, that thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. And so, 
this was, you know, that's a good thing. We ought to be good to people we know, but we ought to be good to other people too. And this was a very good testimony that he's being commended for because these were also men of truth. And uh, so when you do good to people who are proclaiming truth, you are helping advance truth. But did you know that when you help and you support those who are teaching lies, you are also a partaker in advancing lies? Because isn't that what we saw in Second John in verse 7? For many deceivers are into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that you receive a full reward. What are those things we've wrought? The truth. If we're going to go and accept people who are promoting a lie, we're going to end up losing truth that we had and we're not going to receive a full reward. And then he goes on and tells them if they come and they're preaching some other gospel, don't bring them into your house. Don't even bid them Godspeed. Because if you do, you're a partaker of their evil deeds. So keep that in mind too. You know, I believe in being, uh, in believing and being good to people, but we don't ever want to help advance lies and encourage people that are doing evil. That is, uh, otherwise we're a partaker. And so you can reverse that. So if someone's doing good and I'm a blessing to them, I'm a partaker in their good deeds. So uh, we often use just the negative part of that, but we can switch that around and we can make it a positive. So uh, do good to people that are doing good. So verse, 11, um, verse 9 says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. And the title of the message tonight is The Spirit of Diotrephes. Because I want to talk about this. This is something that I believe can easily pop up in any church, in every church. And it's, it's one that can pop up in your life. You can have a Diotrephes attitude or what I'm going to call, I call the spirit of Diotrephes. This is a big problem. This is something that we don't ever want to happen. But like I talked about this morning, how a lot of people in their mind, the universe revolves around them. That's that spirit of Diotrephes right there. Where everything in the church, it has to kind of be to your liking and according to your will. And if it doesn't happen that way, not only are you not happy, but you also can get this attitude like Dr. Peace too, where you don't want anybody else, you know, you don't want anybody else in the church that's going to mess up with your perfect little world that you have. And so what, we're going to look at some things about Diotrephes because he's somebody who wanted to have the preeminence. Now, the Bible teaches that Christ is supposed to have the preeminence in all things. And that just simply means, to, you know, he is the focal point. He's what it's all about. Our singing should mainly be about Jesus Christ. Our preaching should mainly be about Jesus Christ. He is to be the focal point of the church. And it's real easy for us to get sidetracked and to make it about men. We can make it about the pastor. And that's not right. He's got to have the preeminence in all things. If you're thinking about the preacher more than you're thinking about Jesus, we're going wrong somewhere. You know, if you're thinking about the other people at church more than Jesus, we're going wrong somewhere. We've always got to make sure that Jesus is the focal point. And so John, he just calls out exactly what Diotrephes' problem was. He wanted to have the preeminence. And he felt threatened by other guys coming in who maybe were better than him in some areas. I don't know. We, we don't know exactly what it was that Diotrephes saw with these men that got him upset. But we do know that his motivation was that he just wanted to have the preeminence. 
And so maybe because of the fact that these guys were companions of John, and of course John, the beloved disciple, the one who laid on Jesus' breast, I mean, guess who people are probably going to pay more attention to when he's in town? They're going to pay attention to John. And in the, here's the thing too, even though it's not John there, these guys are companion of John, companions of John. They're close to John and people are, you know, they, these guys show up to church. They're all, instead of asking Dr. Peace how he's doing, they're all going to these guys. Hey, what's going on with John? How are things with John? And Dr. Peace, he doesn't like this. You know, I don't like these other guys coming along. They're all telling their stories. They've been hanging out with John. They've been seeing miracles. They've been seeing all these great things being done. Everybody's sick of my stories because I've already told them 42 times. You know, and he did. He felt threatened. More attention was being paid to these men than him. And so he gets all bent out of shape. And it, he, he was unlike John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? Whenever all of a sudden people who were listening to him are now listening to Jesus more than him. You know, John said, hey, my joy is full of this. He's like, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. And he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And I get it here in this situation. These are just men. But you know what? We shouldn't. It's okay if we even have that attitude with other people. It doesn't need to be all about us. We shouldn't make everything all about me. What can I do to make myself a little more important in this church and to make myself more of a key and central figure and someone that everybody's thinking about and someone that everybody else is paying attention to? You know, you ought to just have the attitude, I'm just glad the job's getting done. It shouldn't matter to you who's doing it. As long as the job's getting done, your joy should be full. And that, unfortunately, a lot of people are not like that. And so we're going to look at some things, though, that he specifically mentions that Diotrephes did. Diotrephes did and because I believe this helps us identify that spirit of Diotrephes. He clearly was a bad guy who was in a good church that had good truth. So what were these notable things about Diotrephes? Because we want to make sure we avoid them. And look what it says in verse 10. It says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So the first thing that uh, the, someone with the spirit of Diotrephes does is they pray against people with malicious words. And what does that word prate mean? That's not a word that we use too often today. But it it, the definition means to talk much and without weight, or to little purpose. Or uh, as the vulgar express it, to run on. Okay? So basically, uh, oh, I think in, uh, there's uh, two other places in the Bible where this word is mentioned. In Proverbs chapter 10, it says in verse 8, the wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. Verse 10 says, he that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but the, a prating fool shall fall. And so somebody who just has to just go on and on and on about something, you know, we all might have a negative opinion about somebody. I might have a negative opinion. I might not like something that Austin does. Maybe he gets up and he sings a special and he just doesn't do it that good. Okay. And you know, if, and if he gets up and he... You know, he just kind of bombs a solo or something like that. I'm not saying you're a horrible person if, you know, you're like, you know, Austin, he really kind of messed that song up, right? Now, you probably should have let it go. You probably shouldn't have said anything. But then if you just can't let it, you just got to keep talking about it. And you got to just keep going and just, you know, man, yeah, and, you know, some people just be like, yeah, he, he 
kind of messed up, you know, oh well. But then, you know, that prating fool, man, he really bombed that thing. Did he even practice for that? Does he even take it serious? Does he even, you know, consider the fact that, you know, people have to listen to that? You know, what is wrong with that guy? You know, and just, you're just going on and it's like, hey, it's not really that big of a deal, but you just got to keep talking about it and you just keep bringing it up. You know, there's just, you just nonstop talk. You just, there's really no purpose. Hey, why, why do you have to keep talking about this? Is this going to help the situation? Is this going to make us unhear what we all had to hear? You know, is this going to accomplish anything for the good? Or do you just like to hear yourself talk? Are you just trying to, you know, put shade on him because, you know, people are liking his specials too much and they're not really caring to hear you sing? And you just want everybody looking forward to hearing you sing because you want to be the one that everybody likes. And that's what that prating fool is. And, you know, some people, you know, sometimes just, just shut up. But they do just got to keep going and going and going. And let me tell you, beware of the man with much to say about very little. He's just got to go on and on and on about things. Beware of the man who has to turn every little disagreement into a salvation issue. It's like, okay, great. You disagree with this person. All right, let's move on and talk about something else. No, I just want, I want to keep talking about it. Right, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, no, you don't realize how big of a deal it is. You know, it's, it's leading to, and then, you know, we always go into, you know, it's going... if. Because what he said there, you know, he's, he's a little too pre-trib and that leads to dispensationalism and dispensationalism leads to ructardation and ructardation leads to, you know, a different gospel and, uh, you know, a different gospel and ructardation lead to teaching aliens and inhabiting other planets. And so, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with this person. It's just like, I think you're just making too big of a deal about this. You know what, just forget it. Shut up. Who cares? Let it go. But you know that prating fool, that person who's just full of themselves, they're, just, they're going to turn everything and make everything a salvation issue. Somebody gets mad, I don't think they're saved. Do they preach a false gospel? No, but I don't like what they did in this situation. I don't like how they are. You know what? Sometimes we just need to keep the subject where it belongs and it's just we don't like that person. You don't have to make it a salvation issue. And you know, but you know, wicked people feel like their only way to move up is by tearing others down. And that's why they do it. And Diotrephes was clearly a wicked man and he wanted to have the preeminence and instead of him just doing great things and doing greater works and being a blessing to people, you know what he had to do? He had to tear down other people. He wasn't going to receive the brethren and he was going to forbid other people to receive them too because why? John tells us under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because he was all about himself. He was all about having the preeminence. And so that, understand, that person, if that you, have that, you, know, you come across that person in the church who just has to make sure you know what's wrong with everybody, they've probably got the spirit of diatrophies in them. You know, they're, they're trying to bring everyone else in the church down in your sight. That way they will be a little higher. And what they should just do if they want to be higher in your sight is just be good, be a blessing. But wicked people just can't figure out how to be good can they so that that's what they do watch out for these people notice another thing it mentions uh about diatrophies it says um in verse lost my spot um where am i at verse nine 
or 10, verse 10 yet. So it says, praying with malicious words and not content therewith. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Not content therewith and not receiving the brethren. Mention those together. But the word content, uh, it, it means something a little different in this situation here. But it, it, um, in the Strong's, it says the idea of raising a barrier. Okay, And so uh, what it's kind of doing, he's kind of creating these boundaries. He's, trying, he's doing this to try to block people out. It's not the way we typically use the word content today about just you know being satisfied with what we have but basically what our church we should be all about the truth but understand that's where grace comes in and we should be very accepting of people but you know what a lot of people want to do uh, you know what diocopies wants to do he wants to create barriers and he uses kind of truth as that way to just put up walls and barriers so he can keep everyone out that he does not like he wants that person to be just like him. So he starts making all these, he wants to make all these rules. You know, we're not going to let people in the church, if they dress this way, if they talk this way, they've got to be right there with us on every doctrine. Or you know what? We're not going to receive these people. And you know, let me tell you, Diotrephes, if you want to find out who Diotrephes is, he's always the person that's just immediately questioning everybody on all their doctrine as soon as they walk in the church. Not just because he wants to get them saved. But because it wants to throw them out. They're always looking for the infiltrator. Because we know the wolves are going to come. They're always on, you know, reprobate alert. And high alert looking for infiltrators and things. And, the, and what do they do? They're, they're creating barriers. And folks, we've got to understand, while our church should be all about the truth, we should also be all about grace. And again, we can be accepting of people without compromising on truth. Okay? Now... For those of you in here that are carnal, this is where you're going to want me to give you a list of things that we will put up with. Okay, all right. So, what doctrines, Pastor Tommy, are we allowed to put up with people on? You know, and still let them be in this church. And, and here's why you want this: you want this so the diatrophies in you can be satisfied, and you can start putting up those barriers. So you can get an opportunity to throw people out of the church. That's why I want to do this. But let me just say it this way, okay? Because I'm not going to give you a list. You always are begging me for lists. And you're not really, but I act like you are, okay? But, you know, everybody's wanting me to give them a list of things. And I never give people lists. I, I just, I don't, I don't do that because things are always more complicated than that. It's never as cut and dry as people want you to think. But here's what, here's the spirit of what we're trying to do here. First off, we're never going to let anyone come in and cause strife and contention in any area. We're not going to do that. Even on doctrines that aren't the most important, if somebody just wants to come in and argue, we don't have to put up with that. You understand that? If somebody, there's some things that, you know, I don't know, I'm trying, what's a doctrine that's really not that big of a deal? Uh, we make a big deal out of everything, don't we? So, I, you know, I don't know. But, you know, whatever it is, if somebody just wants to come in and they want to stir things up, we don't have to put up with that. The Bible says in Romans 14, verse 1, He that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. If somebody just, because what we're going to do, we're going to judge every situation. 
And so the reason I'm not going to give you a list and say, you know what, we're going to let the Nephilim guy come in the church. We're going to let the gap theory guy come in the church or we're going to, you know, whatever it is. I'm not going to give you that list because then, you know, what if the guy comes in who believes the gap theory? And again, I don't really care that much if people believe that, you know, don't preach it here if you get a chance to preach. But, it, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to kill our church. Brother Jerry's a secret gap theory guy. I don't, I don't think it's going to kill our church. But if he wants to go around convincing everyone of it, I think Pastor Tommy's out to lunch on this. I mean, I know it's in the Bible. I got a Schofield Bible, and it is right there between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2 in the Bible. You know, I, you know we, don't, we don't have to put up with that. Okay? That's causing strife and contention. He's, he's causing, you know, maybe he's just weak in the faith, but if he's causing doubtful disputations, then we can address that. We can deal with that. But you know what? Maybe that person just heard that somewhere one time, assumed the pastor is true. That is the position that they've accepted, but they never really studied it out. They don't strongly believe it. They've never been in a church that's done very good at teaching doctrine. You know, did you know we should give that person a chance to grow? We should give that person a chance to learn some things. And so there can be all kinds of issues that people might have. And we are allowed as a church to be gracious with them and to put up with them and give them a chance. Did you know, and we were talking about this today when we were out sowing, a lot of people you know, that, are, that go to crummy churches, they may very well be saved, but they have not been trained in the Word of God. They have not been strengthened in their faith and taught doctrine like we are. And they're often not prepared to give a good answer for why they are saved and why they know they're going to have when we go to their door. And they might give some pretty bad answers. doesn't mean that they're not saved. It just means they're not prepared. You blindsided them. A stranger, I mean, think about it. Okay, we're all ready to go because we're, you know, we're soul winners here. We're ready to go. Somebody knocks on our door, how do you know we're going to heaven? Man, we ready for this test. But think about the person who goes to some non-denom church with the skinny jean pastor singing 7-Elevens that all he does is talk about he that was out sin cast the first stone. That's all they preach about in that church. And then a stranger, or maybe somebody who hasn't been in church in 10 years. They're really backslidden. And a stranger comes to their house and says, if you die today, you don't 100% sure if you go to heaven. I mean, folks, put yourself in that person's situation. You might say something really dumb. And you know, sometimes people might walk through the doors of these church and they're not trained. They're not skillful in the word. Maybe they've been in a, in a bad church for a long time and they're confused on some things. And then you got Diotrephes in the church who wants to just, I, I got, Pastor, I'll find out where these people are doctrinally. And they are. They, you know, they're asking them all these questions. Are you, how do you know you're saved? Well, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. You know, can you believe you ever lose your salvation? No. What if you flew airplanes in the World Trade Center and say, Allahu Akbar? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even think you're saved. You know what? Uh, we, we believe once saved, always saved here. You know what? Let me give you the gospel. Now, the right, I'm going to give it to you the right way. We're going to try to get you saved. What do you think those people are going to do? You know, they're probably never going to leave here and never come back. But let me tell you, there's always that diatrophies in the church that wants to do that kind of thing. That's not right. You know, we need to... You know, have some patience with people. We need to be accepting of people. And we need to have the attitude, if somebody comes into this church 
And you know what? I don't, you know what? If somebody comes visit this church, what if they're carrying an NIV? You know what? We should be accepting of them. Did you know we can be accepting of them as a person without accepting their NIV Bible? You, you, know, or, you know what we're doing? We're having grace and we're assuming the best of them. We're assuming they don't know. We're assuming that they've never been taught. If they come in and they have some weird doctrines in their head, you know what we're going to do? We're going to assume the best. That you know, We're going to be so confident that we have the truth and in what we believe that, hey, if we can get a chance to present them the truth, if they will give us a chance to show what we know about the Bible, they'll come around our way of thinking. When they, when they see what the Bible says, when they start noticing these things that are different from their Bible, from what we have here, they're going to get on board with the King James argument. But you know what? Diotrephes wants to throw them out right away. Pastor Tommy, did you see the Bible that they were carrying? They had an ESV. I'll bet they're a Calvinist. Well, you know what? Maybe they went to a Calvinist church, but I'll bet if they hear the preaching here, I'll bet they won't be a Calvinist much longer. That, that, that's what I believe. And so we're going to be accepting of people. Now, we're not going to let them come in here and start passing out Calvinist literature. We're not going to let them come in here and start causing doubtful disputations and trying to argue the tulip with people. We're not, we're not going to, we don't have to do that. But we can be very accepting of them. And you know what we can do? We can, we can let them fellowship with us. We can let them eat with us. We can talk with them and let them be in our conversations. Because, and they're going to find out. We do. We accept them. And if the time comes where it's like, all right, these doctrinal differences, they're not changing. They're not coming around. They're not getting things right. If the time comes where we have to throw them out of the church, one thing that they ought to know is that, you know, we didn't have any problem with them as a person. It was the doctrine. You know, they ought to be able to walk and say, you know, that church, they were really nice to us. Those people really loved us. They really cared about us. They were really sad that we had to part ways. But, you know, we couldn't, we just, we couldn't buy into their teaching on the Bible. But if we would have, if we believed like them, they would have had us. They would have accepted us. That's the, so that's the attitude that we need to have. We need to be ready to accept people. But, you know, it's amazing, you know, how fragile some, the faith of some people is. It's like they, they think some old lady coming into the church who maybe got saved years ago, but she's been hanging out at the Lutheran church for a while. It's like they think she's going to destroy the church. She's going to destroy your faith. You know, just get over yourself. You ought to be able to handle people with issues. And you know what? You can if you actually have love in your hearts. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And folks, if we do, if we have charity, if we have love in our hearts for people, you know what? We'll put up with a lot of junk. And you, we can do it without compromising truth. It is very possible to do that. And so there are so many reasons why someone might say some of the wrong things that they say when they first start coming to a church like ours. Because I think the problem that a lot of new Christians have, and I've seen this a lot, and especially ones whose main experience with people is in the internet world, is that even they don't they often don't understand IFB culture. And we talk about that a lot, a lot around here when we're having conversations. But there is an IFB culture, okay? And um, if you've never been to any other IFB church, 
than this one? You know, it is. It's, it's confusing. You know, some of you saw, saw some things last week that were a little foreign to you. Okay? Me? Nothing foreign at all. You know, I, I, I know that culture. I know that word, world. You know, there's some stuff that people do in the IFB world that's kind of goofy. And, you know, I'm used to it. I understand that culture. There's some things IFB people say that, you know, are, is kind of confusing. Okay? Now, you know, what, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, explaining IFB culture and justifying some of the foolishness that's there. But you've got to understand, a lot of times, too, there's church culture. Okay? Liberty Baptist Church has its own culture in some areas. Things that are unique to us. It's just, it's how we are. And, you know, you've got to understand, back in the day, church and preaching didn't really go outside the building. And so the pastor could get up and say things that maybe, uh, you know, he knew what he meant. Everyone in the church knew what he meant. But other people might not have. And so what ended up happening when the Internet came out is, you know, people started taking a lot of things wrong that the IFB does and says and everything. And they just started attacking them, which has caused people in my generation to recognize that. And we're a little more, I think, better at articulating what we believe and what we do because we understand other people are watching. Okay? Sometimes I forget. But at the same time, you know, we, we kind of, we're a little more aware of that. So it's better. But there's some of these churches that are still out there. They haven't gotten, come into the 21st century. You know, they're still kind of stuck in their old ways, and they don't often realize what they're doing and how it comes off. Now, people like myself, I get them. I understand them. I see it for what it is. I'm not bothered by it at all. But other people, man, they are they spaz out when they see some things. Man, did you just hear what he said about that? Did you hear what he said about repentance right there? I don't think he's saved. Yeah, he's saved. Are you sure? He just told me I have to quit sinning to be saved. No, he didn't. He said I have to repent of my sins. That's not what he meant. Uh, that, that's not what he meant. How can he mean you have to quit sinning first before you get saved and then at the same time tell you to come to the altar and get saved right then too when you haven't even had a chance to repent of your sins? You know, it's, you've got to understand some of the lingo, the culture, and there's, there's all kinds of goofy stuff and that, that goes on and some of it's bad, some of it's not that bad. But either, either way, you know, often we don't even try to understand where people are coming from. You know, and if somebody came from a non-denom church, you know, there's going to be areas where they're not going to understand some things right away. But the, here's the thing, too. Are these people, you know, they might have a very teachable spirit. Some people are. They're very teachable. They're ready to learn. But they haven't learned yet. And so are you going to go full diatrophies on them and cast them out before they've had a chance to change? Or are you going to work with them? Are you going to be patient with them? That's what you've got to do. And so I'm not threatened by people that have issues. I'm not threatened by preachers that have bad terminology or even some goofy doctrine. I'm not threatened by those people. I'm willing to be accepting. I'm willing to love people. First Thessalonians 5.14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. It, we're not supposed to be in the business of just nailing people all the time and casting everybody out. We're supposed to put up with stuff. And so I do, I refuse to just throw someone under the bus just to satisfy diatrophies in the church. I refuse to throw certain preachers under the bus because of some keyboard warrior out there. I, that, I, I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. I don't care what these people think. I am willing to put up with stuff 
with people, and people put up with stuff with me too. It's, it's part of being a Christian. But we got these people that are all truth and no grace that are out there. They don't know how to do it. And you know what? They get confused when they hear a message like this because I don't give them a list. And they've got to learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they can't figure out how to do that for some reason. I think we probably know what the reason is. But, um, so I also refuse to throw someone under the bus too, you know, because, just because some pastor who shows zero evidence of the Holy Spirit finds one flaw with them. I get nailed so much for preachers that I'm friends with. But it's like, you know, it's like, don't you realize they have this flaw? Yeah, I've never had a preacher friend that didn't have a flaw. You know what? Shut up. Okay? Charity covers a multitude of sins. I'm, I'm, I'm putting up with people. I'm putting up with their issues. And they're putting up with stuff with me. And, it, you know, and you're going to just go all crazy rabbit. Forget you. Okay? We don't have to receive those that are all about doubtful disputations and just wanting to fight and stir up strife. You know, we're not going to do that. But, you know, if there, there are, there's a lot of people out there. They've got all kinds of issues. And I, I don't mind putting up with people. I, I'm, not, I'm not threatened by them. But the next thing we see Diotrephes did says, not receiving the brethren and casting out people out who do. And let me tell you, insecure narcissists like Diotrephes, they are not only incapable of love and grace, but they can't even handle seeing someone have it with other people. You know, how dare you like that person that I don't like? Really? I mean, you're going to, you know, I mean, we cast them out and you're going to accept them in? Well, you were wrong in casting them out. And you know, my acceptance of them has absolutely nothing to do with you. I have been nailed many times for, for being friends with people that were thrown under the bus by other people. But, and, and I could see, too, you know, it would be pathetic if I just wanted to be a jerk and everybody that got thrown under the bus in a certain group, I invite them to preach right after that. That would look like I'm just being pathetic and a weirdo and trying to cause trouble. I get that. But if I was already friends with them, if I already had them scheduled to come preach, I got, I got nailed for making a video about the gander's uh, new baby. Remember when we prayed over the gander's that she would have a baby? Uh, that happened. We did that one month after Brother Josh was at a conference given testimony at a conference, accepted by everybody, but then several months later he got thrown under the bus. And then after she had the baby a year later, I put a video showing the prayer and everything, how God answered the prayer. But then we were accused of doing that very thing, of him getting thrown under the bus, and then we invited him into the church and you know, rolled out the red carpet, did all these things. It's like, no, we did all that stuff before he even got thrown under the bus. And even when you threw him under the bus... I didn't really care. <laughs> it had nothing to do with our church. So, folks, that's that spirit of diatrophies right there. They, they can't stand seeing someone have grace to someone they don't want to have grace with. You know, and, but we never joined a denomination. We don't let popes pick out who we fellowship with. You know, we make that choice ourselves. It's super, you know, people need to get over themselves. Said, and when diatrophy, and so, uh, turn over to Romans chapter 15. I'm running out of time here, but it's, it's okay for us to receive people in this church who are even majorly lacking in areas 
as long as we don't put ourselves at a disadvantage. And again, this is just a weird, crazy thing about the Internet, too. You know, I said, I'm, I'm from, you know, we started this church, you know, before we had any kind of Internet ministry. And so, you know, I'm from the world where we don't think about, you know, what we're doing, what the Internet thinks. We just do what we do. You know, that, that's kind of you know, where I came from. But it is, it is so weird how many people who follow us on the Internet, and we just put it out there to try to be a blessing to anybody who needs it. But then those same people, because they support us through positive comments and likes on YouTube, feel like they have a say in what we do in this church. And it's like, uh, no, you don't have any say in what, in, in what we do in this church. And we're allowed to put up with stuff. And, and they just want to judge Every preacher that comes through here, just judge every, like, it, it's weird, frankly, but we're allowed to be, the Bible says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. You know, we're trying to edify people, maybe sometimes that have some issues. And you know what? I'm sorry, internet people that are watching this. If you get tweets sometimes seeing what we're doing, I don't. I'm not trying to tweak you, but I can't explain everything to you. It's, you're not really a part of this church. We still love you. We love when you come visit and all that, but we're, we're a church. Y'all understand that? We're trying to build a church, not a YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel will probably get nuked before long. Oh, well, we're building a church. So... Um, you know, sorry for even Christ, pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Let me ask you, folks, how did Christ receive you? You were pretty rotten, weren't you? You were on your way to hell. You were a sinner. And He received you like that. Now, did Jesus compromise His holiness when He did that? Did He compromise on truth when He did that? But no, He took you like you were, and since then you've had some improvement. But you know, we're allowed to be that same way. Again, we're not going to sacrifice truth, but we are going to be very accepting of people. We're going to put up with people. We're going to let people come through those doors and we're going to sit in our congregation and be a part of the fellowship of this church. And, and we might find out they've got all kinds of doctrinal issues, but if they're not stirring things up, if they're not causing problems, we will receive them. And if eventually they start teaching things contrary and they start stirring things up, it, we will be throwing them out, not because of them, because of their doctrine, because of their teaching. We can't put up with that. But they're going to know when they get thrown out of this church that we loved them. We wanted them to be a part of this church. We wanted them to be a part of this fellowship. But because we have to stand on truth and they were not willing to submit to that truth, they're going to have to find another place and we're going to be sad. But, you know, Diotrephes, we see, he was someone who... He was, you know, he was doing evil, and people like him should not be followed. Diotrephes was not someone that people should follow, and unfortunately, though, he did. He wanted to be that leader, 
And he's not somebody who ought to be around Also, Verse 12 says, it doesn't say much about him, but it says, Demetrius hath the good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record that you know that our record is true. And so while we don't know much about Demetrius, I don't know if he's the same Demetrius that we see in Acts that was a silversmith, but it would appear that John is letting him know that we can trust him. He can trust him unlike Diotrephes. And I don't know, maybe, Diot, maybe John was going to replace Diotrephes because John referred himself to as the elder. And so I don't know what was going on. Maybe John... He was kind of the pastor of this church. He had to leave somebody in charge who maybe wasn't quite ready to be the pastor. He leaves Gaius, kind of leaves Gaius and Diotrephes in charge. He sends his companions back. They're like, Gaius is doing a great job. He's preaching. That Diotrephes, not only did he not receive us, but he was throwing people out of the church that were receiving us. And so I, I don't know. Maybe this was John dropping a hint. Hey, use Demetrius instead. Because when I come, Diotrephes, he's got to go. And he's got some problems. So verse 13, he said, I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. He knew if Diotrephes saw what he wrote about him, he'd twist everything he said and you know, misuse his words and throw a big stink because that's what people with the spirit of Diotrephes do. So he's like, I'm just going to say it face to face. But I trust I shall shortly see thee and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. So there's no doubt this was a great church when it came to the truth. But clearly, there was a lack of grace in this church because of one wicked man. And we, ought, we need to remember, we are about grace and truth in this church. And we never have to sacrifice either of those two. We don't have to sacrifice one so we can have another. We can always have both. Jesus had both. And we definitely can too. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help. I pray you'll help us to set the example on this, Lord, of having grace and truth. Help us to uh, do our best to just uh, proclaim your word loudly and clearly. But, uh, Lord, I pray you'll help us to be loving and accepting of other, of other people. Help us to have patience with people. And I pray you'll, uh, we'll be able to make a difference with that. Help us to keep that spirit of doctrines out of our personal lives and out of this church. In your name we pray. Amen. Now we sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Thank you.